It's our privilege now to introduce to you the pastor who was ministering at the uh, church family at the Main Street Church of the Nazarene in the 1970s when he felt led along with the congregation to plant the Rosewood Church of the Nazarene. And so in November of 1979, Reverend Dr. Bill Stewart and Main Street started this wonderful congregation. And uh, he was and has continued to be very supportive of us across the years. Uh, soon, after, soon after I arrived to pastor this church in June of 1981, Sometime later, I can't remember the exact month, probably he remembers, but he was asked to become the district superintendent of the Canada Atlantic District, and he accepted that ministry, that position. Years later, he went on to serve as our Canadian National Director for the Church of the Nazarene, and now it is our privilege to have him here as our official speaker for this 40th anniversary celebration Reverend Dr. Bill Stewart, would you welcome him, please? Amen. Well, this really is a great uh, privilege for me to join you in celebrating your 40th anniversary. It's, uh, <clears throat> I'm sorry that Rita is not here. She was invited to be here but she does not travel too well these days, so we thought it would be better if she not come. But she sends her greetings and assures you of her prayers and her concerns for you at this time. So you are 40 years old. You know, I, I still have some fairly clear memories of that very first service at the Rosewood Church of the Nazarene. When uh, Rita, my three boys, and I got in the car and drove to that school in Brimwood uh, to the gymnasium there, on that first service, there were about 39 of us there. So if you take away myself and Rita and the three boys, there was about 34 of you there at that service. Not a very strong start, rather a meager start to a church. But we were excited. And we had faith and hopes that God would build and develop the Rosewood Church of the Nazarene. But I, I have to confess to you uh, today that you have far exceeded any hopes or dreams that I had then. God has blessed the work of the church over these years, and you have shown unusual uh, groweth and uh, developing a dynamic and energetic congregation here, but also you have been instrumental in starting five other new churches 
baby churches of the Rosewood Church. I think that's a remarkable, uh, that is a remarkable story for the Rosewood Church. And it has been exciting for me over the years to uh, follow your growth and to see what is happening uh, and how your ministry has been expanding. And through these years, you, you have always been very thoughtful and uh, kind to me. Uh, I was invited to come to your, to your 10th anniversary. I was back in the old Rosewood Church, and I was here for your 20th, and also for the 25th. And then I, I participated in that grand march that you came to this land and to the breaking of the soil for this building, and of course, the, the dedication of this building. I've been privileged to be part of that. And here we are at your 40th. It's not at all clear whether I'm going to make the 50th or not. <laughs> but I have appreciated it so far. And uh, it has been exciting, satisfying, to see the unusual development of the church. That happened especially over a generation where many churches were declining and spiritual uh, enthusiasm was running low. But I realize, and I'm sure you realize, that that didn't just happen. I think key to the development of the church has been the leadership of uh, Pastor Nick, his, yes. His uh, vision, his spirit, his work ethic has been an essential catalyst in the growth of the church. And along with that has been the dedicated commitment of so many of the people that have helped build the church, and I want to congratulate you, all of you, for that. So I wondered what, what I would speak to you about today, and I thought what I want to do more than anything else is to encourage you that the next 40 years will be as fruitful and effective as the first. 40 years, and encourage you to dedicate yourself to the work and ministry and future of the Rosewood Church of the Nazarene. Uh, I have a verse that I would like to draw your attention to because uh, it speaks of that. It is in Ephesians and chapter 5. And verse 25, and it says this, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. 
I'm not going to talk about the first part of that verse, husbands love your wives. You men know I don't need to talk to you about that. But the second part says, Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And that's what I'd like you to do. To be like Jesus Christ and love the church and give yourself to it. And that gives you a future and a development right there. But before you dedicate yourself to the church, and uh, I want you to understand the, the real nature of the church. And uh, in the New Testament, especially the Apostle Paul, paints a very realistic picture of what the church is really like. And uh, in asking you to dedicate yourselves to it, I want you to understand just what the church is really like. This is a realistic picture Paul paints, not idealistic, but the church as it really is. And there's four things he says about the church that I want you to understand as you dedicate yourselves to it. The first thing is this. The church creates both joy and sorrow. You see what the verse said? It says, Jesus Christ loved the church. And the church he knew was that group of disciples that he built around him. And they were for him a source of encouragement as he watched their growth. They were a companions. They stood with him through his ministry and followed him through his ministry. And they were for him a source of great joy. And the church is a source of joy and blessing. When I look back over my life, I realize that many of the great benefits and blessings that have come to me have come to me from the church. Uh, They tell me, I, I don't remember, but they tell me when I was just a little baby that my mother and father at the altar of the church dedicated me uh, to the Lord. That set the pattern. I was surrounded by the church and its values and its way of life. It was as a teenager, I knelt at the altar of the church and gave my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I was surrounded by praying church people That changed everything. A few years later, again in the church, God called me into the ministry. And it was in the church and from the church, I got my education and the church taught me and the church blessed me through the years. It was in the church that I met the girl that was to become my wife. It was at the church altar that we exchanged our vows. 
And down through the years, the church has been a tremendous source of blessing and joy and grace. There's been times in the church when we have been rejoicing and victories have been there. And it seems like we were raised to the very gates of heaven. There, there is joy and benefits that flow into our lives from the church. The church creates a lot of joy and blessing. But that's not the whole story. For out through these years, some of my greatest frustrations have come to me from the church. Uh, some of the biggest struggles I've had have been in the church. Some of the deepest hurts and sorrows I've known have come from the church. That's, that's the potential of the church. It can bring great joy or it can bring great sorrow. That, that's why Paul here compares the church relationship to marriage. Because marriage has that potential of great joy or great sorrow. You know, back there when I was uh, pastoring our church in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan, and there was a gentleman there, an, an elderly Scottish gentleman called Mr. Irving. And Mr. Irving and I got talking one day, and we got talking about marriage. And he, I will never forget what Mr. Irving's philosophy of marriage was. He said in his Scottish accent, that I, marriage, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it if you get the right one. <laughs> and there's nothing like it if you get the wrong one. <laughs> That's what Paul compares to the church. It has the potential for great joy and great sorrow. And I want you to know that about the church, and I want you to dedicate yourself to it because Jesus knew that about the church. Loving the church also meant for him giving himself to it, and giving himself to it meant a whole lot of suffering and death. So the church creates great joy and also great sorrow. That's why the hymn writer said, talking about the church for her, my tears shall fall. For her, my prayers ascend. To her, my toils and cares be given till toils and cares shall end. And I want you to be like Jesus. Jesus knew that about the church. But knowing that, he loved it and he gave himself for it. And I'd like you to love it and give yourself to it. The other thing Paul talks about, the church, that the church is, a, is a, a mixture of human and divine. So the church, he said, is like, like a body. Now, the head of the body 
is Jesus Christ. That is the divine part. The rest of the body are the members, you and me, the, the people part, and that's the church. It is a coordination between the divine, godness, and peopleness. And uh, through the years, I have seen the divine, I've seen God working in the church. There have been services when there was a wonderful spirit on the place, and our hearts were lifted, and I felt God is here, and God is blessing, and God is with us. I've seen God working in the church. I've knelt at the altars of the church and seen lives transformed and changed, and I've thought, that's the work of God. I've been with the church when there was great burdens on people's shoulders, and we prayed, and the, the burdens were lifted, and I thought, that's the work of God. God is with us. God has moved, and God has blessed, and God has given grace in the church. But that's not the whole story. Along with God, uh, there's a lot of people. And the minute you get people, you start getting problems. <laughs> the church is a mixture and a coordination of God and people. And people run the church. People support the church. People work for the church. And because they are people, sometimes we make mistakes. Sometimes we don't do everything the best way. Sometimes we even misjudge situations because we're, we're people. Uh, sometimes even we even get greedy or selfish because there's people in the church. And the church is that mixture of God and people. You heard the story of the man who went to his pastor one day and said, Pastor, I'm going to leave this church. Oh, the pastor said, why, why is that? And because, well, I don't agree the way everything's done, and I think some things I don't agree with, and so I'm going to leave and find a perfect church. <laughs> the pastor thought about it and then shook his head a little bit and said, no, I wouldn't do that if I were you. So you go looking for the perfect church, you won't find it. But if you do, and you join it, it won't be perfect any longer. <laughs> That's the church. People and God. Godness and peopleness. You need to know that about the church. Jesus knew that. But he loved the church and gave himself for it. I know that. And I've loved the church and given myself to it. And I want you to dedicate yourself, rededicate yourself to loving the church and giving yourself to it. The third thing that Paul tells us in describing the church is that the church is Unity in the midst of diversity. 
unity in the midst of diversity. He says the church is like a body. Well, I have a body. I'm up here, but there's only one Bill Stewart up here. But I'm made up of many members. I've got hands and feet. I've got ears and eyes and, and I can see with. So I'm one person, but made up of many, many parts. And that's like the church. There is a central unity. When I was traveling a lot, I'd go to Nazarene churches all over the continent, and it seemed like into every church I went, there was that immediate sense of belonging, of community, of togetherness, because we had one purpose. We worshiped one Lord. We had one faith. And that united us all together, but all the churches were different. There are no two Nazarene churches alike. And in every local church, there is that central purpose and vision and purpose that we're following one Lord, things that we all agree about. But along with that, there's a, there's a lot of diversity. I mean, we're, we're, we're all different. We all dress differently. We all look differently. We all come from different backgrounds, different nations, different races. There's lots of differences uh, in the members of the church. Paul said, and every member is essential, for Paul said, you've got eyes, they're a member of the church. But eyes are good for seeing with. But if the body was a whole great big eye, what were you going to hear with? Or if the body was a great big ear, what would you see with? To me, the tremendous strength of the church is that we have a central unity. We have one Lord, one faith, one baptism. But we have a tremendous difference and the diversity among the people. And that's good, because everybody is good at different things. Just like the eye is good for seeing, but it's not much good for hearing. So we have people in the church that have multiple and different gifts and abilities, and they're not all the same. And in giving yourself to the church, you need to know that and understand that, that your gift, your personality, you are an essential part of what makes up the church. It may not be a great public part. You may not be seen or known, but you're still an essential part of the church. You have gifts and graces and personality and experience to contribute to the growth and development of the church. Amen. You know, <clears throat> I, I was getting along in years when I first learned that I had a spleen. Now, I'd never bothered with my spleen. In fact, I don't know where it is. It's in there someplace. I, I'm not sure where it is. But in spite of all those years of unseen, that spleen has been working and doing its job and doing its duty. It has helped purify my blood. It has kept me free from infection. And all the time, I didn't know anything about it. I didn't, it was never public. I never talked about it. 
In fact, this is my public introduction of my spleen <laughs> to you. And that's the way it is in the church. There's a lot of work. The pastor will tell you that. There's a lot of work and dedication goes into the building and development of a church, and it's not all public. A lot of it is behind the scenes, but it is essential. So the church is a unity in the midst of diversity, and Jesus knew that. But knowing that, he loved the church and gave himself for it. I know that, but I've loved the church and given myself to it. One last thing. Paul said, the church is an institution also which gives and which takes. You know, this, this body of mine gives me a whole lot. It's because of this body of mine that I can function in the world. I can see the beauty of the earth and the beauty of the skies and feel the love that from my birth daily over and around me lies. Because of this body, I can come here and talk to you. Because of your body, you can come and be part of the service. Our bodies give us a whole lot. And the church gives a whole lot. It brings us to God. It brings God and us together. It teaches us. It trains us. It gives us fellowship. It gives us companionship. The church gives a lot. But that's not the whole story. It also takes. This body of mine gives me a lot. But, you know, it also takes a lot. You know, I have to lay it down at night and let it sleep. I've often thought, oh, what I could accomplish and what I could do if I didn't have to spend all these hours sleeping. But the body needs it. This body of mine wants me to sit down at least three times a day at the table and feed it. Much more than I should sometimes. But the body takes. It takes a lot of attention it needs exercise, it needs rest, it needs taking care of. But I found this, that the better care I take of my body, the better it serves me in this world. And the church gives and it takes, and the church will take. It will take, it'll take your time, it will take your effort, it will take your money, will take your devotion. That's the nature of the church. Jesus knew that. But even knowing that, he still loved the church and gave himself for it. I know that. But even knowing that, I have loved the church and given myself for it. And so, that's what I'm going to call on you to do. To continue to do is to love this church and give yourself for it. I understand from Pastor Nick and from what you're talking here that you are talking about the keys to a brighter future. The story of Rosewood Church of the Nazarene is not yet finished. Amen. But we need people who will love 
the church and give themselves to it. Will you do that? For what lies ahead, for the divisions and directions and divisions that the pastor think and the leaders have, will you give it to them? Be like Jesus, who when all was said and done, loved the church and gave himself to it. Thank you.